Yeah. I mean, when I, if I went on a date, I would say dessert would never be skipped because like I, I'm the dessert. My company's the dessert. So. <laughs> oh, you're the sweet thing? Okay. <laughs> Hello, it is Thursday, November 12th, and after a week off, we are excited to fall back into our old habits with our podcast. It may be getting dark at 5.30, but when you're listening to us, there will always be light in your life. We are, of course, the Real Bros of Holly Springs. I'm Brandon Rhodes, joined by Joey Will, the beautiful swan to my ugly duckling. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the nicest compliment you've ever given me, so I appreciate it. You're not that... Ugly, come on, man, give yourself some props. Come on, you're not the ugly duckling. Like, come on, dude. But whatever, that's how you feel. I'm not going to bash you for how you appreciate yourself. It's all good, man. Self-love, self-love. No, I thought that'd be a, a funny thing to say. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I'm excited to be back. Uh, we took last week off. Uh, the election was exhausting and just seemed difficult to talk about non-political stuff. But we are back. I think hopefully everyone's kind of ready for a a little break and some uh, some fun and silliness for the next hour or so. And speaking of elections, we are excited to welcome on the first president of our second floor nation. That's the 2700 hallway for those that don't know. Our hallmate, Dr. Anderson. Today, we are thrilled to welcome on a teacher who started at Holly Springs at the exact same time that Will and I both did. Uh, we met at new staff orientation. We actually shared a classroom for part of our first year at the school. We've been hallmates for, I want to say, the last five years or so. Um, she teaches AP Psych and the Sociology Psychology class here at school. Dr. Anderson, my one and only leader of Second Floor Nation, welcome <laughs> to the Real Bros Podcast. Thank you, guys. I'm happy and excited to be here. And I'll be honest, I, don't, I did not realize that we all started at the exact same time. I didn't know that either. Well, that is quite the tidbit. Yeah. You guys not have met very often before you guys became hallmates. You guys were just kind of, you know, opposite, opposite sides of the school or opposite floors. So, but now, now, you know, we were all at the exact same new staff orientation together. Possibly many people are calling it the best rookie class in Holly Springs history. <laughs> many people are calling it that. Many people, many. Well, it's probably the best compliment that I will ever receive uh, in the history of my teaching at this school. So I appreciate it, Rhodes. So yeah. since we have started coming back to school, you've brought a teaching assistant in with you every day. So how is it going teaching every day while also watching your daughter go through her class stuff? So, um, well, and to, to just add on to that, when I was at home, obviously the same setup, teaching my classes, uh, helping my daughter with her classes, but I also had my three-year-old at home with me as well. Um, so. Uh, you know, thinking of that, obviously it's easier being here at school because I don't have my three-year-old with me um, running around and, you know, whatever else. But Ava and I, we have classes um, at the same time. So um, it can be difficult. And like my students absolutely love her. And so she actually wants to be on my Google Meets instead of her own. So that makes it a little difficult trying to keep her, uh, focused on second grade work as opposed to high school psychology because she thinks she's in high school now. But, um, you know, for the most part, 
uh, it's not as as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, I'm, I'm able to focus a little bit better uh, just because I don't have, you know, my three-year-old or my bed um, right next to me. So um, in terms of, of that, it's, it's, I guess it's worked out. It sucks the drive because I live in Raleigh. So it takes me, it could take me 35, 40 minutes to get here just to teach to an empty classroom. But that's a whole other story. So what, uh, what are you learning about in second grade these days? Like what's been like the, the, the most interesting second grade fact that you've learned so far? Well, it's nothing based on curriculum, I'll tell you that. Um, second graders know a lot of stuff that I just don't remember knowing in second grade. And they're also extremely funny. So like for instance, if the music teacher, bless her heart, um, her, she has the worst internet in the world and she plays a lot of videos and it's always glitching. So she could say, all right, boys and girls, I'm going to play the video for you right now. Okay. Everyone stay on mute. I'm going to press play. And like literally three seconds later, the first glitch, they're all unmuting. What? I can't hear it. Where are you? What? Man, that's <laughs> not working. And so she's, and this is like every week. So they are not patient. Uh, they're either unmuting or typing in the chat. I can't hear the music. What's going on? I'll leave and come back and you should leave and come back. So it's, um, they're comical. They're actually very comical. Second you're, grade. you're saying a second grader is not like an empty hospital. There's no patients. <laughs> <laughs> Thought we were gonna make it uh, at least ten minutes without one of those, but I guess I was wrong. No, oh, no. Man. Uh, so as I mentioned before, like, we've known each other for like our whole teaching careers at the school, um, and when you actually started here, you were actually pregnant with Ava. Um, I was. Your students very specific instructions as to like what happened, like if you like went into labor while you were uh, like teaching and stuff. So when that happened, like I was teaching next door to you. So I don't know if you want to tell like what were these specific instructions you gave your class regarding like what role I should be playing in the in the birth of your child. Do was it nothing? I don't remember. It was fine, like anyone but Rhodes. But was, yeah, right. I was going to say that sounds about right. Like if you see Mr. Rhodes, go the opposite direction. Find someone else. <laughs> to assist. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, so uh, Ava was born in October and obviously we uh, came back in August. So I was very pregnant uh, when we started here at this school. And you quickly realized that um, you did not want me, um, you know, helping birth your child. So probably the correct decision. Right, right. Didn't we have like a fire breakout on our hallway and like you were the 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 person that like ran and got the fire extinguisher and like figured that all out and like helped extinguish a fire wasn't that you uh that wasn't the extinguisher fire i will give um uh our lovely holly spring sub miss sherry lee credit for kind of being the one to grab the fire extinguisher <laughs> then she handed it to me and i did extinguish the fire in the boys bathroom um you know where there's smoke there's fire and where there's smoke there's high school kids vaping so that was kind of uh that was what happened there I'm just, if you can save the school from being burnt down, I feel like you could have helped maybe deliver a baby. I'm just saying, throwing it out there. We also broke up a fight. Yes, that's uh, true. true. Yes, I remember that. You were you were yelling, and I was like, oh, this is serious because Rhodes is yelling. <laughs> so let's just, yes, Rhodes is the more serious one. So if there's anything going wrong on our floor, 
get Rhodes because I probably will not be helping in any capacity. So yeah. go after Rhodes. Right. You know, as, as you're building out your cabinet as the uh, president of Second Foreign Nation, you know, I'm the I'm the Secretary of Defense. I make sure you know the hallway doesn't get burned down. <laughs> the fights here. I, I try to keep everyone safe here on our hallway. We appreciate that. So Anderson, you are one of a very few people who've had the misfortune of actually sharing a room with Rhodes. So can you kind of talk about him as a roommate? Because I've had him as a roommate for six months on this podcast, but you know, I'd love your perspective. It it was bad. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> like this kid. <laughs> he, I mean, he. Uh, he would just leave stuff like all over the place. Like he had no type of organization or anything like that. I was like, man, what is going on with this kid? Like he just cannot get it together, but he was always really nice and you know, everything like that. But he was messy, man, real messy. He got better though. I mean, his desk, like the desk would just be like in such disarray. Like, (laughs) (laughs) And things haven't changed, not at no, all. He's gotten, he's gotten a lot better. Like you, you, what you see now is nothing compared to what it was. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, for those of you guys that uh, are listening and can't actually see what my classroom looks like, like the fifteen desks that were spaced out socially distanced, there's just like piles of crap. <laughs> on literally twelve of the fifteen desks around here. Uh, so like tons of posters from last fall around my room. <laughs> Uh, one of our former guests, Isabel Stone, accused me of living out of the classroom that Claire kicked me out <laughs> because I just had like piles of clothes like in the corner behind my desk also. So it says a lot that if I've come a long way from my first year. I know you complained about that all the time. <laughs> yes. And one of my students, I think, also did steal something off your desk too, which. Um, right. But that was, wasn't that a student that we were like kind of afraid of, like didn't really know, like. Oh, we were we were terrified of her. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think off air I'll ask you more about this uh, this situation. Yeah, I, I asked her about if she took the thing up uh, the desk, and who her uh, her response said, "You know what? <laughs> I'm not asking any follow up questions. Here's my wallet. Take whatever you want, man." <laughs> Man, wonder uh, where she is right now. Uh, is in, you know, where? Hopefully her petty theft career uh, was, <laughs> was over after she left my class. Um, so actually, I can't remember if I called you Dr. Anderson in the introduction, maybe. That might be the first time I've ever called you that. Usually I just kind of say Anderson. But right. I, I know you're not a medical doctor. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think you can deliver someone else's child. Um, but uh, what did, uh, if you tell our audience, what did you get your doctorate in? And what was that like being in school while also having a full-time job while also raising um, young children? Uh, so my doctorate is in education, um, curriculum, and instruction. Um, yes, so I, I started my doctoral program, I believe it was February or January 2016. Um, so Ava was about three and I'm not sure why, but during the process, I decided that I wanted to have another baby. So I actually had another baby during the doctoral process while taking care of a three-year-old and working full-time. Um, is it doable? Absolutely, because I, I did it. Um, 
but um, not really sure why I went that route with uh, bringing a baby into the mix. But um, it was definitely uh, difficult at times. But the good thing about it was um, I learned to make stuff work for me. So for instance, some of the projects and stuff that we had to do, um, I tied it into things that we were doing currently at our school. And um, you always have to have like some type of committee in which to like go over results and stuff with. So I made sure to um, either find people who were like also in school. So it's like, okay, you join my committee and you know, when you need me to join yours, you know, I'll join yours, stuff like that. So doing things like that made it um, a little easier, but uh, yeah, it was, it was rough. Um, the good thing about Ava being young was the fact that she was still in daycare. So daycare, um, like closes at like five or six as opposed to like school. So after I finished my school day, I would have like an hour or two um, of time that I could like just work um, before I had to go and pick her up because obviously like once I went home, there wasn't much work that I could get done. So, yeah. So, so which out of that time period, which baby are you more proud of? Like your younger daughter, uh, Addie, or your doctoral thesis? Like what, which baby are you more proud of? Um... <laughs> You know, to be honest, it, it just depends on the day, you know, because Addie, like, man, Addie's, Addie's a thug, man. Like, I'm just like, she has, like, no filter. Like, she's just constantly on 10. Um, and at least that that uh, that thesis, that dissertation, I can, that's on a shelf, you know, it stays put. So, I don't know. It's it's a, I don't know. I guess I, I guess I should say my human child. That's probably the... PC thing to say, so I guess that's what I'll say. Well, it sounds like your daughter's nothing like you, so you really, you really dodged a bullet with that one. <laughs> uh, I wish I wish the listeners could see what we're seeing because right. you know she's definitely dancing behind you as as you speak, and I I think it's great. Always. <laughs> Uh, so later today, we're going to have our draft, me and Will, and our draft is going to be the best things for a first date. So we figured since you are, you know, married, what, what was your first date like with your husband? What did you guys do on your first date? Um, you know, I don't remember our first date because we worked together. So anytime that like we were at work that like we could spend time together, like we did. Um, but our first like a official official date this is that like I'm I'm not that type like I'm not that woman who like remembers dates like the first time we did this or the first time like that I'm not that I'm not that chick so I actually don't know I have no idea we probably went to like the movies or something he's a big movie buff um so that's probably what we did probably dinner and a movie don't steal that idea Rhodes for the draft okay um, that's my that's my pick okay all right. Well, I, I definitely have a dinner and a movie take, so we'll get to that when we get to the draft portion of things. All right. Now that we've mm -hmm. asked some fun questions, we're going to transition to some like serious topics, right? So okay. just so you know, all right? So we've done our fun stuff. Now we're, we're going to go a little serious. So this is really where you can say as much as you want or as little as you want when we ask the questions. So okay. don't, don't think we're trying to put you in a, a tight spot because some people think our questions are a little too serious, but give us honesty, honest feedback. Always. So here at school, one of the big things that you do is you are the leader of the equity team. So what does the equity equity team do on campus at High Springs High School? Okay, so I'm one of three leaders. Uh, Jody Robertson and Linda Dion are also um, the co-leaders. Um, so we are in charge of both the student equity team or club and then the staff uh, equity team. 
So with the student team uh, or club, we try to make that obviously more student ran than, than us. And we just simply try to advise them. So last year they uh, started what was called Woke Wednesday where um, during once a month, or I think it was once a week actually, um, they would uh, be in the media center and they just had like a round robin conversation about some type of topic uh, based along the lines of equity. And they are actually going to start that uh, back up soon. I think they're switching to Tuesday since Wednesdays are our um, asynchronous days. So um, we pretty much, uh, for the student side, we pretty much have, uh, we have officers and just regular uh, club members. And the whole focus is what can we do to make things equitable here at the Springs? You know, we're talking about the widest high school in the district. What do we do to get those minority students, get their voices heard, make them feel like they have a say? Um, so uh, last week they had a unity week. So they met with the clubs and uh, the, the uh, leaders of different uh, student ran organizations here at the school. And they came up with this unity week because the students have decided that in order for us or them to be unified, they've got to know one another and they've got to know where they agree or disagree. So um, that was the purpose of unity week. And then um, for the staff side, um, there are just like, you know, trying to bring equality uh, within the school, we know that as teachers, our classrooms are not diverse, um, not like they should be. So for the staff side, we meet to try and figure out ways to, again, get those minority students um, represented not only in like AP and honors courses, but in different clubs and activities and so on and so forth. So right now, um, we or I guess uh, over the summer at the beginning of the school year, we sent out a Google survey of, you know, what are the things you think we should focus on um, for this school year. And so we took those and we created different um, different subgroups uh, because we also figured um, maybe last year where we went wrong is we, we tried to do everything with whole groups. And so we, uh, so last year we tried to do everything with whole groups and we realized that that probably wasn't the most effective way to do things. So now we're breaking things down into different subcommittees that are focused on different things. So like for instance, uh, we have a group that's focused on having some type of equitable uh, walkthrough tool so that teachers know, especially during you know, virtual learning, how can I still um, make all of my students feel welcome when they enter my classroom, even though it's virtual? And we have some other uh, different clubs, like we're wanting to change the mission statement so that it reads more of an equitable uh, school practice taking place and some other stuff. So yeah, the whole goal is to just make everyone that walks through the doors feel welcome like this is their home away from home. So you mentioned that Holly Springs is, you know, Lily White, the, the whitest high school in, in Wake County. There's not tons of, you know, staff diversity um, either. As one of the like you non-white teachers at Holly Springs, do you feel like there was like an obligation for you to help kind of push for this on campus? Or is that something that you felt kind of like that you were pulled to do? Um, <clears throat> so it's funny that you said that because in our initial meeting about the equity um, 
group, like, you know, we were all like kind of sitting in a circle and everyone was just, you know, talking and sharing. And I believe it was myself and Linda Dion and Jody Robertson. I, be I believe we were the most vocal. So we were kind of voluntold that we were going to be the leaders of the group. And I don't think any of us went into the meeting thinking that, but because of, I guess how passionate we were when we were talking about it, I believe it was Miss McKinney who went around and said, well, you three, you three should be uh, leading, leading this. Um, so um, yes and no. I mean, I do, I, I see it um, every day. Um, like I, I had a staff member who didn't recognize me because my hair was different. And I'm just like, really? Like how many people are walking around this school that look like me where, you know, like you could get so confused between me and someone else. But, um, you know, so I definitely see it all the time. So it's definitely ingrained in me. Um, but then again, yeah, we were kind of voluntold to be the leaders of, of the group. And, and you did mention that you kind of lead a group with students and you lead kind of a group with teachers. So what are some yeah. things that you think we can as teachers do to make our classrooms more equitable? And I know the, the Google Classroom, the Google Meet is kind of an, a harder situation, but like in normal situation. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's just uh, taking an interest. And so I think people get overwhelmed maybe when they try to think of it like, okay, how do I reach a black student today? Or how do I reach an Asian student today? Well, let's not necessarily think of it on, on those terms. Let's just try to build a relationship with every single child. And then maybe you can get to whatever differences uh, you, you may um, notice. I had a foreign exchange student um, and he was from, okay, why is this escaping me right now? Um, I think he was from Thailand. Um, no, he wasn't Thailand. I don't remember uh, where he was from, but um, I noticed that he had an accent. So I'm like, okay, you know, I think it's, what does the research say? Like if you, if you move like from a, from your native country to another country, like after the age of like 10 or something like that, you're more prone to have the thick accent or something like that. I forgot what, what the research says. So we had this accent. So I'm like, okay, uh, this was before I knew he was a foreign exchange student. So I said, well, he's, he hasn't been, you know, in the United States. I, I don't think, again, these are assumptions for, you know, for that long because I believe he was a sophomore or a junior. So I was like, this kid might not know a lot of the other people. So these are, again, assumptions that I'm making, I was making and I could have, you know, been very wrong, but that's what I went with. So um, upon talking to him, you know, did find out he was a foreign exchange student. And so what we ended up doing, long story short, around the last five minutes of class every day, he taught us words in his uh, native language. And so when they entered the class, that's how I would address the class in addition to saying hello, good morning or whatever. And when they left, I would say goodbye in his native tongue, so on and so forth. So that already is making him feel like he's a part of this class. He's no longer worrying about no one looks like me, I have this thick accent. Every time I talk, people are like, huh, what? What did you just say? Things of that nature, okay? Um, I had this girl in my class, uh, 
you know, we're psychology. We talk about a lot of different stuff. And we were talking about twins. And I said, little known facts, because for, you know, our students, it, it probably is. So I said, it's possible for twins to be born with different dads. And so they're normally like, no way, get out of here. And so this girl raised her hand and she said, that's true, because that's the case with my brother and me. And I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, I'm looking at everyone else like do they comprehend what she just said and thankfully they didn't they were like okay they didn't get it but I'm like wow you know that that probably took a lot for her to say that I I not probably I would not have said that to a teacher so I'm like she said that to me like for a reason beyond that this is just the topic that you know we're discussing so okay she's obviously building or forming she trusts me so i need to build on that trust you know so i mean it's just things like that like there are so many uh students who say that they like i like i greet my students every day and i ask them like do your other teachers do that and some of them will say no you're the only one and i'm like so if a teacher doesn't say good morning good afternoon how do they start class? Like what happens? And they say the bell rings, they close the door, they go to the board and they say, all right, question one. And they just start writing on the board. And it's like, oh, okay, wow, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, it's all about, you know, making these kids feel uh, welcome and accepted, you know, whatever that may be. Using the pronouns that they, uh, that they want to use. I have a student now, um, he he was born female, um, but does not identify as a female. His parents do. So I have to be very strategic if I email um, the parent because I want to respect them, but I also want to respect the student. So it's a lot of, you know, just using the, the name and not like any pronouns, but in class, he is he and his and, you know, whatever else, because that's, that's what that student identifies as. Yeah, that's a lot of good stuff for kind of small things you can do to help make kids feel more welcome. Um, so like kind of to more of the stuff that might get you in trouble here. So like, let's say like on a larger scale, like what do you think is something kind of like a big picture thing the school or the district can do to kind of make, we'll say even high school, say specifically high school campuses, like a more welcome place for all students? Well, um, I think we definitely need to increase the Office of Equity Affairs. Um, and maybe even, you know, take that into each school building, or if we can't get to each school, school building, at least have some type of equitable officer or liaison or somebody, some adult who is um, not far away that can come in and, you know, talk to um, schools or even be stationed at a school. I think that's, uh, I think right now our Office of Equity Affairs is about like seven people. Um, what, I mean, they, they do the best that they can, but I mean, really like what, what can they do? You know, it's, it's maybe seven of them. Um, so I think it's just, um, you know, making things more, um, more accessible before we even, before equity even became like this big buzzword. I remember thinking like our bathrooms, you know, they're gender specific, which obviously I understand 
why it was. And I remember talking about this during my doctoral um, classes. And I was like, we're going to have to change that. That's no longer going to be the case. So I know now for our students, they have them, our transgendered students, um, they have them go and use the, uh, the bathroom in the front office. But that's not always going to work, especially if there's a kid that's in the trailer or on the third floor. Like, they shouldn't have to. How many bathrooms are they going to pass before they go to use the one that's been designated for them? You know what I mean? Um, so I think we need to uh, start being proactive, um, which we've never been. We've never done this. And we've, we're going to have to start thinking out of our box of how to you know, reach these children, you know, with with the suicide rate only going up. Um, there's definitely lots of things that need to be done and we need to be on top of it to make sure that these kids feel accepted and welcome. And I, I know a lot of it is, I feel like we need to be proactive as teachers, but is there anything you think that we can do or implement like school-wise from like a student perspective? Like, is there anything that you think we can do more with like the, the students well, I, I mean, I just think that we need to uh, we need to give our students more agency. Like they know, they know what they need. They know what they need from us. Are we asking them? Are we giving them the opportunity to tell us and to show us? I don't think so because a lot of administrators and higher ups, you know, they are so fearful for legal reasons that they don't want to they don't want to touch that. And it doesn't have to be that way, but these, these students know exactly what they need. We just have to give it to them and we've got to ask them what it is. But I understand why ask if we, if we can't produce it, if we, if we can't make it happen. So I get that as well. So it's got to give somewhere, but yeah, these students know what we, what they need. We just, we just don't give it to them. Yeah, I remember when one of the last things I remember about being in school with other teachers and students was when we had that diversity training day way mm -hmm. back. Not saying it was the greatest training ever. Right. Because it, it wasn't. But I really appreciated having those students come in front of mm -hmm. us and have that conversation because I feel like sometimes we lack including all stakeholders in our decisions right. and what we're doing. So I thought that was really cool that we were able to have those conversations because I don't think we have it enough. So I, I totally agree that give them that agency to like really advocate for themselves and then right. let's include them in that process. Right. And so about that, um, that training day, that was not um, how we envisioned um, it going. Uh, so that was kind of a shock to us as well. Um, but that was also um, that was also something that was out of our hands, us meaning the equity leaders. Um, so yeah, and we wanted to. Uh, so the 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 ironic thing about it is our equity students they are so ready to get in front of the staff and train them on things pertaining to equity. They are so ready to do that, and we haven't given them the opportunity to do that. So it's yet again, why are we waiting? What are we waiting on? They're ready. They were trained um, on having crucial conversations and courageous conversations. So when are we going to when are we going to sit back and listen to the students? And we're still waiting. Is that something that you think will happen once we eventually come back to school? Or is that kind of with everything else, has that just kind of been put on the back burner in terms of school priorities? 
I guess has been put on the back burner. Um, even the, the training that we went to that we gave the students, um, we, wanted, we want to give that training to our staff and we want it to be us. We don't want um, an outside source to come in and talk to our people about what we need to do for each other and for our students. So if you if you come in my room by my laptops, you'll see numerous boxes. It's all of the all of the literature that is needed for the training. But again, it's just something that we haven't been able to, we haven't been able to get on the books to uh, make it happen. We had that besides that that last training with the students. We had that one training. Um, it was uh, myself and Jody Robertson that we we did a, a little mini um, training which was um, about biases, um, but that's all that we've been able to do. And then, you know, COVID happened. So I don't know, hopefully we can, um, you know, get this thing going again soon. So another organization that you are involved in, um, super involved in is the North Carolina Association of Educators uh, mm -hmm. or NCAE for yeah. some of you that know the acronym, but uh, listeners might not know too much about the organization besides the fact that there's been some organized marches over the last couple of years where everybody goes and wears red. Uh, right. So can you kind of just walk us through kind of what that organization does for us as teachers? Right. So um, NCAE is an organization that um, was founded in, I believe it was 1970, and it actually came about from two other uh, teacher organizations that uh, existed, and they kind of like merged, and NCAE was created. So NCAE is this organization that, I mean, the, the number one goal, the number one mission is to have equitable classrooms for all students, right? Um, that's that's what we we strive for. And in addition to that, we also want to protect our teachers. And when I say uh, teachers um, or educators is a better word. When we say educators, we're not just talking about like certified teachers. We're talking about every adult in this building, you know, from the principal down to which there isn't a down to because we're all the same, but all like certified staff, support staff. All of those people, um, they all deserve protection and protection from what? Protection from laws that don't do us justice. Protection from laws that say um, you guys aren't doing enough. You don't do a good enough job. You don't need to be paid anymore. In fact, let's put more work um, on you. Let's do more testing uh, of these students and let's uh, make sure that there's a teacher's name attached to every test. And, you know, if, if the student fails or does poorly, then that's a direct correlation to the teacher. There are people who believe that's how it should be. And so NCAE is that organization that is fighting on behalf of all educators and all of our students to ensure that we all just get what, what we deserve. So full disclosure, I'm a member of NCAE also, uh, which, you know, not in no part, small part due to your coaxing as well as uh, Miss Lutton's coaxing. Uh, so North Carolina pretty inexplicably has incredibly strong anti-union laws. So since like collective bargaining is not like a thing in North Carolina, like, you know, I know people sometimes think of NCAE as like, oh, it's just like teachers just like want more money and stuff. Like what does like the NCAE like actually do to like exert power and kind of like, especially like in, for people that might not understand like why the organization exists, like what, what benefits do like students specifically see from it? 
Okay, well, so first of all, I just want to say with any professional um, organization, career, whatever, there there is a professional organization to go along with that, right? So no one has an issue with a lawyer that joins their professional organization or a doctor that joins, right? The only issue comes when teachers have this organization. And typically speaking, anyone who is of a particular profession, like holds a license or whatever, for the most part, joins that professional organization. Some even join it just, oh, I get a free t-shirt every year, right? But again, the teacher organization is always the one professional organization that is up in smoke. Oh, it, it, it costs too much money or I don't, uh, I was a part of it, but nothing changed. So um, I, I, I stopped paying. So what I want to say is that NCAE, the organization, is only as great as the people who are a part of it, okay? You can't, you can't have an organization and only expect like two or three people to fight on its behalf. And then when their voices aren't heard, then you're like, see, I told you not to waste your money and, and join that organization, right? It, NCAE is us. So if you're a part of NCAE, what have you done to ensure that students have the schools that they deserve? What have you done as an educator to ensure that people understand what you do in and outside of the classroom, right? So with that being said, um, NCAE does lots of stuff. And what, what really got me is um, when I went to, uh, to convention, um, one, I think it was two years ago, and I saw this, uh, so if, uh, if you don't know, NCAE is um, um, the byproduct of NEA. So NEA, the National Education Association, is like the, the big organization. Then it's by state, so North Carolina Association of Education. And then it's by district, so we have Wake NCAE, right? So all doing the same thing. And when I saw all of these people there, and then I'm looking at, I'm reading the literature, and there's like a, a board of directors, a board of trust. There are people whose, their entire livelihood, their income, everything comes from NCAE, right? Because people think that this is just like a little small organization that like people, like, oh, we just volunteer and do this stuff, you know, when we want to. And for some, that is the case. But Lots of people, their livelihood comes from NCAE and because of that NEA and because of that, that's how you know how important it is. Dr. Jill Biden is a member of NEA and gave a shout out uh, recently saying all teachers should be a part of their local, right? Because it is us that's going to change the things that we want to change. So if you are okay with your pay, and you don't think that you deserve a raise, if you are okay with the conditions of your schools, um, having uh, textbooks that are 20 plus years old, and you're okay with those things, then maybe you shouldn't be a part of NCAE. But if you are not, then you should definitely consider joining. And there are so many different reasons why. NCAE, um, Rhodes, I know, Will, do you have a national board certification? No, I, I don't. Okay. No. 
So I, Rhodes, I know you do, but NCAE, you know, has partnered um, and they have their own organization that helps students, um, sorry, not students, teachers get nationally board certified. We all know what that, how that helps a student if their teacher has national board certification, right? Um, they have um, professional development opportunities. So there are so many teachers who are doing all these cool things in their classrooms, right? Where their students are learning so much, but it stays there. The, they either don't or feel like they can't share with administrators or coworkers or anything like that. So it just stays there. All that greatness just stays in their classroom for their students. With NCAE, there are professional development opportunities where you can expound on and teach others the things that you're doing. I mean, it, it goes on and on. Um, there's an attorney that um, will help anyone um, who's a member with any type of legal uh, situation that they might be um, involved in. Um, I mean, even taking it back to just, um, you know, you can get uh, life insurance as a member, uh, you get great discounts and different, I mean, there's there's lots of reasons. I mean, I guess the easier thing would, would be why not? Why wouldn't you want to be a part of your professional organization? All right. So I, I guess the, the follow-up to that is just how, how if I, Full disclosure, I am not a member. So unlike Rhodes, I'm on the opposite side. So like, what would I need to do as a teacher to be able to join? What would be that process? So you can talk to someone at your school or that you know that is a member, or you can simply go to ncae.org. And there is a like a yellow button that says join, join now. And that's what you can do. Well, luckily, I need like easy directions to be able to sign up for things. And that's just like right up my alley. So I yeah. definitely will go on the website and look at that and look through the process to potentially, obviously, sign up. Awesome. But coming up next, all of us will test our celebrity gossip knowledge as we play celebrity gossip trivia on the podcast next. Ooh, excited. Who has time to keep up with all the latest hookups and breakups in the celebrity world? Well, theoretically, we do. Today, we're going to play some celebrity gossip trivia of the 2000s. Basically, anything from this century is fair game. And we even got some help from Claire, who wrote questions that will be asked to me so, we can all, so all three of us can play the game. Everyone's going to get five questions, and there's a tiebreaker question in case we're all knotted up after those five rounds. We will let our guest, uh, Anderson, go first. So here we go. Here's Ready. First question. What two celebutants who are famous for being famous starred in The Simple Life, one of the early reality TV shows? Um, Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton. That is correct. All right. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm so screwed. Just looking <laughs> at questions that Claire came up with you or for you that I have to ask, and that question alone, like I'm getting zero of these correct. That's how I feel. So All right. Well, we'll see how you do on this first one here. Well, not her first marriage was annulled after 55 hours to her childhood friend, Jason Alexander. No, not the one from Seinfeld. Britney Spears got married a second time in 2004, with this marriage lasting three years and resulting in two kids. Which former backup dancer was this marriage to? Ooh, I know it. Dude, honestly, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, L, big fat L on the forehead right now for me. Just go Kevin ahead and Sutterline. 
Kevin okay. line is the correct answer. Oh, boy. This could be a long trivia for you. Oh, Will. Step it up. Okay. Well, he, well, he looked a lot better before he had the kids, and then after the kids, he's ballooned. So, you know, whatever. At least I know what he looks like. I just didn't know the name. All right. As, as we all know, this is, uh, these are questions made up by Claire, read by me. So I apologize for everybody if I messed this up, but Claire is much smarter than I am. So question number one for you, Rhodes. After our near apocalyptic miss with Y2K, in which year did some doomsdayers predict the world would end based on the ancient, the ancient Mayan calendar? It'd be 2012, correct? Yes, that would be correct. And Claire put author's notes on every question. So I'm going to read her author's notes. <laughs> author's note, specifically December 21st. This was later proven to be unequivocally false on December 22nd of the same year. She does like being thorough stuff. Uh, so after one round, me and Anderson are tied for the lead with one. Will is also playing. All right, round two. Anderson, <laughs> here we go. What singer was famously caught lip syncing on Saturday Night Live? Um... What singer? Yeah. Wasn't there more than one? I'm thinking. Um, on Saturday Night Live specifically. Oh, I don't watch Saturday Night Live, but um, only person I know, Jamie Lynn Spears, was caught lip syncing. But I don't know if it was on Saturday Night Live. So I guess yeah. I got the one wrong. Well, you know this one? No, I, I know like the reference, I just don't remember. The singer is Ashley Simpson, was famously Oh, that's who I was thinking of. Right. Yeah, you know, that's a, right. You know it was a sister or somebody. Yeah, yeah. All right. Will, your second question. What are the names of former President Barack Obama's two children? And they're also Michelle's kids, too. <laughs> oh, boy. You might not get any of these right if you don't know this one. This is supposed to be, like, an easy one for you. No. Uh, dude, I... Yeah, I'm screwed. Go ahead. Malia and Sasha. Actually, Natasha is her real name, but she goes by Sasha. Really? I didn't know that. I had Sasha and Malia down. All right. My uh, question. I, at least these are great questions. So for all our listeners, hopefully you're doing much better than me. Hopefully. Okay. Question number two for you, Rhodes. Following 2005's devastating Hurricane Katrina, Kanye West went off script during a televised benefit for victims Famously ending an impassioned speech with George Bush doesn't care about black people with which other star was he sharing the stage? Um, I believe that would be a multi-talented um, Austin Powers uh, actor, Mike Myers. Mike. Yeah. Yes, you, you are correct. I, I'm, there, there are parts of the author's note that I probably can't read out loud uh, for the listeners, but I'll, I'll read the second half of her author's note. The two... <laughs> were reunited and parodied this event later that year in Kanye's opening monologue on SNL. Another SNL fun fact. Um, our, I think you're cheating, Rhodes. I'm definitely not cheating. Um, Claire was very careful to not, like every time that she was like writing stuff down, she would just throw her pad under the pillow when I walked in the room to make sure I couldn't see. And I would never cheat um, for trivia. Um, I hold trivia in too high of a sanctity. Um, <laughs> after two rounds, we are tied at two. Your round three question. Angelina Jolie and which spouse of hers used to walk around with vials of each other's blood around their necks? Oh, um, was it Billy Bob Thornton? That is correct. Billy Bob Thornton. Will, did you know that one? I knew they were together and that would have been my <laughs> guess because he is, he is a weird dude. So that's, that would have been my guess. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, Anderson, do you and your husband have vials of each other's blood around? <laughs> of course, it's right here. Perfect. <laughs> oh my she god! I remember her first date, but she could definitely uh, have blood and, vials. And so. listeners, she just drank out of the vial. Oh my god! <laughs> 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 All right. Well, your third question: the Hillary Duff and Lindsay Lohan rivalry really took off when both were allegedly dating which singer? So you said Hillary Duff and who? Lindsay Lohan. Oh, gosh. I'll give you a hint. He had a famous older brother. That was a part of He had a famous older brother. I, uh, I, I think he was a backstreet guy, but whatever. I, I don't know, honestly. He, at one point in time, beat Shaq when they were playing one-on-one. Oh, that's not going to help me. I don't care. <laughs> That doesn't the help me. Is Aaron Carter, who one of his hit songs was, and that's how I beat Shaq. Well, I, did I say he was a Backstreet guy, right? It's his older brother was, or yeah, but not not him. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. I, right. I knew, I, like, I know, I knew what where the direction was going with the question. I just didn't know the name because I said he was Backstreet or had yeah, Backstreet. They might be Backstreet guys now. They were Backstreet boys back then too. So. Okay, well, there you go. All right, uh, my my third question: the state tied. Okay. Like, okay, you, this is ridiculous. Like, this is a question that should have been asked to me to show that I'm not that big of an idiot. What charitable organization benefited from 2014's viral ice bucket challenge? Um, ALS research? Yes, correct. <laughs> I participated in this challenge, so I knew this one. Oh, good for you. I, I filmed my video. Um, directly outside the football stadium. Nice. During, it was during a teacher work day at the start of the year, I think. Um, all right. After three rounds, Anderson and I each have three. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, round four. Anderson. Jennifer Lopez has been married three times. Name one of her three ex-husbands. Mark Antony. I think, yeah, that's correct. Can you name the other, either the other ones? Um, there was the backup dancer. I don't know his name. Chris Judd. And uh, um, I know the other one. I can't think of it. I can't think of who it is. Who is it? Uh, Ojani Noah. I don't know who that is either. Yeah. Oh, no. I thought I knew. I don't know. All right. Uh, but yeah, you got the question right. Uh, Will, your fourth one. Which NBA player was Kim Kardashian married to for 72 days? <laughs> Kim Kardashian was married to a basketball player um, for 72 days. The problem is the only basketball player that I know is married to one of the sisters is Lamar Odom, but that's a different sister. So um, I honestly, I, I, out of all the stupid reality shows that you've brought up on the podcast, the Kardashians is definitely the, the least, like I care the least about that family. So Go ahead and tell the, the group another answer that I'm an idiot about. So, Anderson, you got it? You know the answer? I know who it is, but I can't think of his name right now. It is Chris Humphreys. Yeah, that's right. Chris, Chris Humphreys. He's right. from, well, was as, he from as Colorado? As much as I don't remember who that is, the rest of the NBA world doesn't remember who he is because he was that bad at basketball. So yeah, He was. Great rebounder. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he has um, a franchise in um, – a restaurant. I can't like a, a chain of restaurants now. Like 
that's where his money comes from. All right, so here's mine. I need this one to stay tied up with one question left. Uh, okay, question number four for you, Rhodes. Which 2010s It Girl starred in a 2017 Pepsi commercial that ended with her peacefully ending a protest by handing a cop a Pepsi and was so widely criticized for its tone deafness and trivialization of Black Lives Matter protests, it was pulled from air after only 24 hours. Okay, so can I just say it was, I know it was one of the Jenner. I, can't, I just have no idea. I've never known which one was which between Kendall and Ky, Kylie Jenner. Um, I think that Kylie Jenner is the more famous one. So I'm gonna go with Kylie Jenner. Incorrect. It was Kendall Jenner. <laughs> oh, I've just never known which one was which. I have no idea which is which. So Kendall is the tall one. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what that, that means nothing to me. Yeah. So, uh, so, Rhodes, I'm just going to go ahead. We're going to cut this out, but this is your wife's author notes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make a note to cut that out real quick. <laughs> uh, I wanted to really say that, but I, I was like, eh, that's not going to work out. All right. Kardashian. What's that? Uh, all right. All right. So with one question left, Anderson is up 4-3 on me. I need her to miss this last question. <laughs> uh, all right. I that's the spirit. I don't, like this. I don't like this is a tough question. What couple from the hit teen movie franchise Twilight actually dated in real life for a few years? Oh, um, I, I don't know this one. It's uh, that girl, um, <laughs> the real skinny girl, um, the real, real skinny one. I don't know her name, Kira Knightley. I don't know. I just, I don't know. And then the the guy that looks like a fox or something because he's, you think he's foxy, huh? No. Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the answer is Will? Uh, Kristen, Kirsten Stewart and, or Kristen Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Kristen Stewart and then uh, Rob Pat Patterson, 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 Patterson. Robert Pattinson. There you go. I would have given you that. Uh, all right. So the door is open for me. Let's see how Will does in his last question. What movie were Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie making together when they met and he left Jennifer Aniston for her? Come on, Will. I love movies, so <laughs> I definitely know this one. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. There we go. On oh, the board. Lord. Yes. Before we get out because of this two-hour flood delay, I got something on the board. I'm so excited. All right. So, Rhodes, I guess this is for you to tie it up, right? Give him a hard one. Well, you got to blame Claire. So if you lose, or at least you tie, you've got to blame Claire, not me. So which 2014 true crime podcast captured the attention of American listeners like no podcast had done previously? Or to rampantly editorialize since you don't have to read that part. Oh, okay. I'm going to start over. <laughs> Three, two, one. Which 2014 true crime podcast captured the attention of American listeners like no podcast had done previously to the point that the New York Times aptly described it as podcasting's first breakout hit? All right. Well, to me, I thought that the podcast that revolutionized podcasting was the real bros of Holly Springs, but 2014 <laughs> is probably not ours. I guess I would say the podcast is serial. Yeah. 
And the correct answer is Serial Season 1. Yes. Um, that was amazing. All right. I'm going to email you real quick the tiebreaker questions, Will. Um, okay. But wait, shout out to Nas. Nas was really big on everyone uh, listening to Serial uh, Season 1. So we got to give it up to Nas for that. We'll yes, he was huge into serial. Actually, the reason right. we started like a crime project we did where we kind of have kids like do a project where they kind of investigate like a, a famous crime case, that was that was his baby. That was his idea because he loves right. serial so much. Yes. All well, right, well, I just emailed you. To, uh, I got to pull up this podcast and check it you, out. What? You haven't? Oh, you've got to. I'm not a big <laughs> podcast guy. Right, but all. this is... honestly. I watch or listen to our podcast more than I've listened to any other episode of any other podcast. Yeah, but Serial is like totally different. Like you, you like it's it's that good. It really is. Okay. Season one is that good. All right, I will make I'll make a deal. If Rhodes wins this, then I'll listen to an episode as you know a reward for him winning sure or if or if you do it <laughs> so either way i'm listening to it so. i was gonna say you should just listen to it it's just it's just that good but sure all right so i guess this is and sorry for the listeners we got some uh, some loud teachers walking by as we are released from school early so you might hear some some loud barking in the uh, background all right so since 2000 rihanna has had the most songs hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. And that's what was literally sent to me. Um, so I'm assuming. I think what's supposed to be is we're supposed to each like list songs, like that's like one alternate listing songs and the first person who doesn't list one loses. Do you have a okay. list of songs there? All right. so, okay, all right. So once again, here's the question. I'm gonna finish it out the right way because you know I can't come up with stuff on my own. Since 2000, Rihanna's had the most songs hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. So you guys are gonna go back and forth and name them and whoever messes up first loses all right anderson you can go first uh work umbrella um uh um i can't think i'm out and then for the win i will say sos yeah sos what's yeah. the first one Mr. DJ, uh, 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 uh. So I'm going to go through the list. Rude Boys, another one too, I feel like. Is yeah, that... so I'm going to put songs. them in the, in the decade. So in the 2000 to 2010, it was SOS, Umbrella, Take a Bow. Yeah. Dis that, yeah. Disturbia. Oh, Disturbia. And Live Your Life. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then in this decade, 2010 to 2020, I guess the last decade, Rude Boy, Love the Way You Lie. Yeah. What's my name? Only girl in the world. S and M. We found love. Diamonds. The monster and work. My God, that's a lot of hits. Just hit after hit. Quite a lot, and I probably would have lost in that one as well. So. Yeah. And I won. You did win. Congrats. Thanks. Right, well, we definitely proved that, uh, once again, I'm terrible at every game that we do <laughs> on this podcast, but I'm definitely bad at this type of trivia. So, Rhodes, hint, hint, maybe we don't do this again for quite some time. Maybe <laughs> episode 
Fair enough. Uh, super, super proud of myself for winning on, on Rihanna songs. I, that's not yeah. my wheelhouse, but I, I, I feel good about that. Good for you. Thanks. Uh, and good for you on, on being our guest today. We appreciate you, you stopping by and hanging out with us. Oh, anytime. I've enjoyed myself, guys. This was awesome. Well, we appreciate it for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, I'm terrible at the game, but we'll see if I can change my luck. Coming up next, as we draft the best things to do on a first date. Moon River, wider than a mile, I'm crossing you in style. Well, after all of my speed dating success, and I'm not going to really say I had like much success. I'm not going to give myself credit on how well the speed dates went. Thank you, Rhodes. I actually had to go on a real first date. So we figured it would be fun today to draft the best things to do on a first date. And I guess because I've been going on at least a first date now, the last couple of weeks, uh, I might be able to like win this. I don't know. We'll see. But I will let you go first if you would like to draft. But how did your first date go with your wife, Claire? So our first date, I can't remember if I've told this story in the podcast before. I thought it'd be a fun place to put it in, um, is that she actually asked me out. Um, I mean, <laughs> who can blame her? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did that ugly duckling uh, comment. I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, only members of polite society could blame her. Um, but she actually asked me out to go to her sorority formal. Um, she was, I can't remember if she mentioned this when she was our guest, but she was under the delusion that I was like super cool. Um, I don't know why she thought that, um, but that is, she was obviously proven incredibly wrong about that. But she asked me out to go to her formal. So I, you know, drove to Raleigh to, to NC State. Um, I was wearing my, you know, lovely formal getup. Uh, and for dinner beforehand, uh, she kind of lived right next to a Taco Bell. So we hit up the Taco Bell drive-through and she got us each crunch wraps on her. At that point, if, you know, if a lady buys you a crunch wrap on a first date, that's how you know she's a keeper. You know, I, I bought the wedding ring the next day. So that's, that's not true. Uh, but the, the crunch wrap is true. The, the, ring, the, the ring is not. But yeah, no, the crunch wrap part is true. Uh, it ended up being a very lovely night uh, and we you know, ended up staying together afterwards um, until now. So that, that was our first date. Um, but our last draft, actually, I forgot to say this off the jump, our last draft of uh, fair foods, actually, or the best things about the state fair, ended up being like an actual literal exact tie. Um, so our first ever literal tie, uh, I feel like I should have maybe swung the votes by voting from all the different, you know, athletic teams accounts that I control. But you know, I let it be a natural tie, and we'll see. We'll see what happens this time. Uh, you have the first pick today. Uh, what do you? What is your perfect ideal first date? And this is no indication of any first date that I may or may not have gone on uh, since the the speed dating um, event. But I think if I'm going like traditional, right? Not even ideal, but if I'm going like kind of a traditional first date in my mind. I think that, uh, and I don't want to steal what Anderson brought up, like going to the movies. So I'm not going to steal that. I'm going to see if, if it stays maybe later on to the draft board. But I, I think meeting up for just simple dinner, uh, maybe because we're, we're old enough, maybe not for all our listeners, but maybe like drinks and dinner uh, would be like the traditional date because you're able to like, 
get some food, you're about to have conversation, you can get a drink, you have multiple options. And a place that's a really good idea for that would be the Morgan Street Food Hall in downtown Raleigh, because now you have multiple options to get food. So you don't have to be forced to eat a single type of cuisine. You can have multiple options and you can have drink options. So that would be food and drink, but Morgan Street Food Hall would be a great idea. Uh, that's a solid idea. Um, I actually was there once last year and really enjoyed it. I, I, it took me a long time to decide what I wanted. There's a lot of good options there. So I, I will second that. Um, not a paid advertisement, we might say. Um, all right. My first two picks here. Um, actually, the first two things on my board are pretty similar. So I think I'm only going to pick one of those right now, at least. Um, number one, this might be more so a bias that I have and not something that a potential date of mine would like. And again, hopefully, um, knock on wood, I don't go on any more first dates for the rest of my life. But this is, a, again, ideas for other people um, yeah. to go to a sporting event. Um, sports are super fun. Uh, it's like casual. There's something going on, but you can kind of make conversation also. But it's not like the entire onus is on you to talk the entire time. So you can talk about what's going on. It's like, oh, man, look at that sports ball go. Look at that player doing that sports thing. Where it's like, oh man, look at that person in front of us with the hat. That's a stupid hat. Like, there's like other stuff going on around you that you can kind of <laughs> talk about. Uh, and again, you know, if, you know, just any sort of, at, it can be like any type of sports game. It can be like a, you know, a professional game. It can be like kind of some weird, like more minor league thing. Uh, obviously, you know, you go, go to a footy game. That's, you know, what you, you know, that sounds like a perfect day. Uh, but go, go into a sports game. I think that's like a, a great activity. I don't disagree with that being a great date idea. I just don't think that that's a great option on the first date because if they could potentially go really bad, if they really don't like the sport you're watching and then you're stuck with that person in a confined space and it's kind of like, what do we do now? You're, you're miserable. I'm having a miserable time, but I actually want to watch the game and I'm going to stay here for the two hours. So it could have potential side effects. That's true. I didn't think about the date going poorly. Uh, that's, that could be a problem. All right. Well, then let's go to my next uh, idea then. Um, my new favorite activity to do, and I was like Googling uh, great first date ideas. Um, this kind of came up repeatedly also. And this is like a, a nice cheap option. So for those of you guys that might be, you know, in high school um, or, you know, recently graduated from college but not having a job yet, um, this could be a good option for you guys. And this is just going for a nice walk. Like you just like meet up in a park or something like that. You just like walk around for a while. It's like, it's, it's lovely. You know, walking around is it's a nice leisurely activity to do. You can stroll and look at some beautiful scenery and it's just kind of a, a nice relaxed thing. It's, you know, less, less formal and stilted and awkward and like, you know, a dinner type thing as well. Oh, I, I must, I must admit that the last two, by the way, Hurricanes games, when we're talking about Rhodes's sports events, Hurricanes games are a great option because it's kind of a mute, like a, a neutral. You don't have to go to like a state game or a Carolina game, but walking is so underrated, man. Going on walks, especially if you have like a dog or a pet that you could bring with you on the walk. So now you have like a, like a third wheel that is cute and you can like kind of play with the dog as well. Uh, I think it's a great option. So dude, that's the one I'm upset about the most for sure. And I'm not sure if like, you enjoyed like did you ever go on like a, a date where you brought an animal because I don't own an animal so I don't know if, if that's something you you do currently not I first mean, date but like uh, do I mean I don't really go on a whole lot of I mean I don't know I guess me and Claire do go uh, we haven't really gone out a whole lot lately in the last eight months or so um, yeah. but 
and I'll say, you know, I, I went on, you know, you know, considering how cool everyone thinks I am now, surprisingly few dates um, before I before I met Claire. So not a definitely did not utilize that um, in my illustrious dating career, which he okay. said fantastically. All right. Um, I'm not you on the spot too much, but yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, uh, you are up with with your second and third picks. Okay, so this is something that I think is becoming more of like a accepted traditional first date, and I think it kind of goes well with competing with your walking, like going on a walk, and that's meeting for coffee. So whether that's in the morning or mid-afternoon or evening, I think it's a very simple way of like grabbing drinks, but it's an appropriate way of grabbing drinks. And I think it's just a little bit more accepted. So, yeah, that just never would have been as someone who doesn't drink coffee. Like, I feel like, I don't know, that's just like meeting at a coffee shop. Just kind of like uh, the food's like uh, at best mediocre. Like, I don't really know what to drink there. It's, it's, that's not really my scene, though I can see why that's a good idea for like normal people. <laughs> and, and I must admit, like, I don't think I've ever gone on a first date to get coffee. I, I think maybe like on a second or third date, depending on like when the, the time frames work out, schedules meet up. But I, I think it's, for me, like it's a good like hour and a half, like casual, hey, can you meet up for this amount of time? Let's go get coffee. So I think it's a simple idea and it's not that expensive. It's a lot cheaper than taking somebody out to dinner. So just FYI. Um, now I'm in a pickle, dude. Like I'm in a legit pickle. I don't know if I have a great mind for going on dates, um, especially for, this is the problem, it's first date. Like I'm trying to think of like not great data ideas. I'm talking about like trying to think of just simple um, ideas and we already talked talked about like food and drink and that's kind of like general so and you took away the sporting events so like now it's like okay so I I wouldn't do this on a first date but because of COVID and because of the restrictions on doing things with other people I think doing something if you and that other person share some sort of like fitness aspiration or like are okay with doing like a fitness thing together I think it would be fun to do something like tennis or like a pickleball or something that's like mildly competitive but like you can sit there and still have a conversation because you're not like doing full-on sprints and I'm terrible at tennis so it would be great for me because I just hit the ball over and have a conversation or play pickleball so I think doing something like that would be more accepted now just because it's hard to like be in big groups around other people and that might be kind of similar to the walk. I don't know. Maybe if you consider that kind of a different category. Yeah, that's fine. It's a different category. I, for a second, I thought you were going to say just like going for a run. Because some of the sites that I saw say like going for a run is a, first, first, a good first date. No. Uh, the only Fair. thing I'm doing is running away from my date if that's what if yeah. that's Oh, dude, I, I'll just tell you right now. Like even girls I've dated in the past, like I refuse to run with them because like if you're not literally on the same wavelength and you're not running at the same speed, like me slowing down to be at your pace makes me miserable because then I'm like trotting and I don't like trotting. I want to go, man. I want to go. So I think running with people or working out with people 
would not be a great data option. Yeah, and running for me, like, I don't know if, like, someone I'd be running with on a date would share my philosophy that if you throw up somewhere in, in public, it doesn't need to be cleaned up. So, like, if she felt I needed to clean it up <laughs> in someone's yard, like, that would just really just put a damper on the whole, like, afternoon or evening or whatever. So, like, I just, to me, that's just not worth it. No, not at all. All right. Um, so, two more we got here. Um, you know what? You already mentioned different sports too, so I'm going to say another sport also. I think this is the perfect sport for a first date. You know, this is a little bit cliche. Let's go. We'll, we'll go mini golf. The is that I'm, all under yes. your? Or, you, no, you can your, keep it. You can keep it, dude. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bash it or anything. But not okay. Let me take that back. My bash it a little bit, just because mini golf is like a great. I feel like spring summer, right? So I feel like it's a limited option because. One, there's not a lot of mini golf places around. And two, if the weather's not great, then you, that's not going to be your first thought. But to me, it's like, it's like a little bit of like a cutesy activity. Like you can kind of like have some fun. Like it's not like, it's not super serious, even though like I do take mini golf seriously. Like it's kind of like you can kind of have some, have some more fun with it. And it's, it's a very casual, um, a very casual sport to do. Yeah, I think, you know, similar to like the, the tennis idea that I had, I think it's something that, you can kind of compete with that person and kind of have fun with it. And also gives you a great opportunity to like have conversation. So I think that's a, it's a good pick. Uh, So I'm going to go with my last pick here. I'm going to go with a couple things I didn't pick. One thing I'm not going to pick just because um, I, I feel like you already covered it with your first one is kind of going for sushi as a first date. I know a former roommate of mine kind of said that's a perfect first date thing just because like you can get in and out pretty quickly. Like it's not like a, there was like a sushi place that, that was near us where like you could always just tell there were tons of couples on their first dates there. Um, it's, you know, it's a little bit more interesting. And again, like if it's a disaster, you can be out like within like 40, 45 minutes. It's not like a, a huge, like it's not quite as bad as like a regular dinner potentially. Dude, even if, it, even if the date is going terrible with me, I'm still sitting there for at least an hour and a half because I'm going to enjoy my food. I don't care. I'll carry the conversation long enough to get the food that I want and then be like, okay, we're going to skip dessert now. and We're going to just call it quits, but I'm staying for the whole food. 40, 45 minutes. That's, that's too short of a date for me. Yeah. I mean, when I, if I went on a date, I would say dessert would never be skipped because like I, I'm the dessert, my company's the dessert. So, <laughs> Oh, you're the sweet thing. Okay. I'm so sweet that uh, you don't need anything else. You don't need any chocolate or anything. Cause I'm just okay. so sweet. Uh, <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, so, so, so some other, I think, good first date ideas is, so this is, to me, I think this is a great idea. Um, other people might think this is the worst idea in the world. Going, like, meeting up at, like, a bar for, like, a trivia night thing. I think that could be kind of, like, a fun thing to do, like, together. Like, you're not, like, you're doing something together. You're at, like, a bar. Like, the, again, this could also last a long time. So, like, that could be an issue. Uh, but I think this is kind of, like, a fun little again, there's stuff for you built in to talk about. So there's kind of less of a burden on you to like carry the conversation the entire time. Like it just kind of could be like a, again, a little bit more of a fun activity type thing. Like, I, dude, every single thing that you've said, I think are great ideas for dates. Like I, I would not disagree if we were talking about like great date ideas, but my issue with it being a first date is the fact that you have to listen to all the questions, right? So you're already taking away, yes, you're going to have conversation as the questions, but like if you're actually there to play the trivia, 
you're eliminating some of that conversation. Your focus has to be on somebody other than the person in front of you kind of thing. And I, I love doing trivia with groups of people. I think that's a great like group date if it's like a double date because more people, you're going to do much better at trivia. So I think that's a great option like further down the road with the dates. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. It's just tough to, again, first date is there's only so many ways you can say like have dinner. And I guess I'll wait till you get to your last pick before I say my other little rant thing. But what's your last pick? Uh, I don't want to steal it because she said it earlier, but I, I think I am going to go with the the movies okay. pick because, so, and, and this is the thing is like, I was thinking in my head, like maybe hang out and like watch, like, like watch a movie at somebody's house. And I know that's crazy because usually you don't like invite, you don't get invited over on the first date. So I was kind of like thinking if you knew the person beforehand and you wanted to meet up, like watch a Netflix show or something or whatever, like, I think that would be, kind of the same category but definitely going to the movies as long as you have like a common theme like i love marvel movies and we've talked about marvel in quite capacity like we talked about a lot but a female might not like that might not share the same passion for it so you got to really find a movie that works for for both of you yeah and again my thing with movies is again like the dinner and movie cliche like there's just not a whole lot of talking going on when you are um, at a movie. So that could potentially be, you know, an issue. It could be, I don't know. It's some kind of out on that. But if you want to do the watching movies at someone's house for like your fourth pick for when I write down the tweet, I could just put like Netflix and chill. Do you want me to put that? Yeah, that's, that's fine. I was, I was kidding. You actually got me to yeah. put that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't think uh, that would be quite the first date for us to uh, endorse on the podcast. For, all right. Uh, all right, so there you have it. We have a lot of our first date ideas. Um, yeah, no idea how good of ideas some of mine are. I think they might, I, I agree with you, they might be better just like actual date ideas as opposed to first date ideas. Um, again, my first date experience, uh, incredibly, uh, incredibly uh, limited. So, <laughs> shrug. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what's more depressing, the fact that you have like, one or two first date stories or if I have like 20 or 25 like that's the problem is like I'm doing something wrong you're making me feel worse about my life than the other way around so you no know, it's, it's not the first dates you're doing you're doing a great job in the first dates it's just like the dates like you know four through 20 you gotta like tighten up a little bit <laughs> yeah that's my problem I, I do really good on the first date maybe the first couple and then I just I just mess up everything else for yeah. sure it's like they look at you, they like what they see, but once they get to know you, that's when they like. Yourself. Are you are you uh, hinting at something, Rose? That like you just like me because of my looks and not because of my personality? Is that what you're telling me? Exactly. That's why. Again, if we were, uh, that's why we're we're a nah. That, 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 I have no joke to make here. I can't think of anything. I, maybe, I, maybe we should just all go home. Uh, yeah, it's, it's rainy here. We got a two-hour delay. Uh, so maybe that, that'll mean this podcast can turn around quickly this afternoon if I have not a whole lot else to do sitting in the rain. Well, we appreciate all of you coming back off the uh, one-week hiatus, and we hope you have a good time, and we'll see you next week.